For our Kumukukua segment this morning, we are very honored to have Dr. Stephen Bradley. He is Chief Medical Officer at the Waianae Coast Comprehensive Health Center. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Aloha, Thank you so much. I think this conversation uh, that we have with you today will be of particular interest to our listeners on the West Side, but certainly certainly everywhere, but especially if uh, folks are living on the West Side. Uh, I hope they'll be tuning in. Um, uh, I know that the center is doing so much to serve the community. And um, before we get into all of the you know fantastic things that you guys are doing to help the community during this COVID-19 crisis, can you kind of set the stage for us a little bit and let us know, you know what you're seeing on the ground? there on the Waianae Coast in terms of your community and the particular challenges? Uh, sure. You know, it's uh, we're seeing the same challenges, I think, that every community is. And, you know, I, I you think about town and you think about uh, last weekend where uh, the Salvation Army was handing out uh, food mm-hmm. and there was a two-mile lineup of cars. I mean, that was pretty impressive. And it's extremely impressive uh, because of Honolulu and, and uh, the activity and the wealth and everything else. When you get out to the west side, we're already talking talking about uh, a lot of difficult situations. By and large, uh, we're an isolated community for for a small island, and um, one way in, one way out on Farrington Highway. Mm-hmm. A lot of people driving in for work. A lot of uh, people with uh, marginal living. A lot of disadvantage. A lot of homeless. And so, those are our baseline problems that we deal with every day. You can imagine with a COVID pandemic that mm-hmm. just piles on and adds on to all the disadvantages that we already see in our neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So you guys, over at the Waianae Coast Comprehensive Health Center, you guys are responding to all of this in some pretty cool ways. Can you take some time to to go over uh, some of the uh, programs that you are offering now? Definitely. Just to, just to you know, give a little bit of background, um, the Waianae Coast Comprehensive Health Center has been around for 47 years. It's it's uh, not a newbie to the neighborhood, and it's actually born of community activism, where there was no uh, health care at that time to, to speak of. And uh, the community got together, banded together, and said, we need something better, and actually created the entity, which is today the Waianae Coast Comprehensive. Mm. So we are not, you know, you think of a health care center as being uh, patients and providers and that interaction, which is certainly true, that happens. But we're so much more. We we have so many other facilities, and especially outreach facilities. We have a, a very robust care coordination and case management programs. We've got community health programs that span everything uh, from food. We run farmers markets. We have in those farmers markets uh, kupuna and keiki programs to increase uh, availability of fresh foods. Mm-hmm. Um, we've even started to do um, an interesting program where uh, our providers can give prescriptions for uh, farmers market foods uh, that then are honored at our farmers markets, and uh, patients oh. can, uh, can community members can pick up food uh, directly at our farmers market, take it home, and we tell them how they can cook it, prepare it, and things they can do with it. So, you know, we're actually bringing uh, nutrition down to a very basic level as as nutrition is health, and that uh, that there's that tie that we actually write a prescription for mm. it. So those things are going on. Unfortunately, with the with the um, the COVID, we've had to close our farmers markets down, but we're doing a lot of other things. You know, the DOE um, has a lot of programs for the keiki because it's it's really sad in this day and age. But to realize that a lot of of keiki uh, depend on school for their nutritional needs during the day mm-hmm. uh, to a great degree, 
and school closes down, that's that's a real problem. Yes. And uh, the DOE has a certain number of schools that they're providing meals for, but not every school. So we've sort of taken up the slack in that, and uh, we have kicky meal programs at four sites, especially those uh, furthest from the DOE meal pickup sites. Oh. And we call them kicky grab-and-go sites. Mm-hmm. And they're Mondays through Friday from 10 to 12, and they provide both breakfast and lunch, um, and uh, they can be picked up and, and basically attend to the Keiki's needs. Oh, that's awesome. Um, how, many, how many meals are you guys serving through that right now? Well, the thing is, we serve uh, each week, we serve about 10,000 meals. <gasps> wow. So, uh, yeah, we distribute 7,500 pounds of shelf-stable food and about 3,000-plus pounds of fresh produce uh, to Y&I Keiki and Mead every week. So it's it's that just gives you an idea of, of the needs out there and mm-hmm. uh, and what we have to do to try and fill that void. It's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So Keiki Grab and Go, and how long is that program, that, specifically for Keiki Grab and Go, um, how long are you folks planning to offer that? You know, we have some wonderful um, uh, partners. The uh, Ulupono Initiative is one, Hawaii Food Bank, and others being uh, Nakamakai, Honu, uh, Honu Apo, uh, Aloha Harvest, and they're all working with us, including Enterprise, which is an uh, interesting um, uh, partnership because they're, they're helping us out with uh, trucks mm. to be able to take the food to sites. And you, you forget, you know, you have all this food, how do you get it to the site? So <laughs> right. It's been really, really great in helping us get, get the stuff to where it has to be. So with these partners that have been marvelous, we're able to uh, provide these services. And we will basically, we'll keep going as long as we have to go. And that's, you know, that's one of the main points today that you li- listen to the news and when is this going to end? How is it going to end? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen after? No one, no one really has a clear idea of that. So you uh we're we're just ready you know we are ready for the community and uh ready to be there for them and yeah. do what we have to do oh, that's awesome dr bradley uh how did you get involved with uh, the comprehensive center oh <laughs> i've been there 26 years believe <gasps> it or not um and you know i've practiced all around the world including europe i was all over the place and Somebody tipped me off because I was very interested in preventive medicine, nutrition. I, I actually have a degree in the culinary arts as well. Oh. So I heard that Y and I was doing all this interesting stuff involving nutrition, food, and medicine, and preventive medicine. And someone uh, gave me the hint, and I said, Y and I, where is that? And uh, went out to visit and 26 years ago and fell in love and never, never looked back. <laughs> That's it's awesome. an amazing community, amazing health center. And it's been my, my professional home and, and even more over these years. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, now, in those, in those 26 years, I mean, there's been so many changes, right, to that side? Oh, my, yes. When, uh, when I was going out there, I remember um, uh, basically I lived in Makaha for a few years and then moved into town. Um, and going out to White and I in the morning, remember passing through Kapolei, which was mostly sugarcane. Mm. There was not much else going on. And now you look out. And finally, it's truly the second city at this point. It's uh, no no doubting that with all the facilities and um, everything else going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's changed quite a bit. And the comp uh, itself, we, we had a, a couple of sites. And um, I initially worked in, uh, in plantation-style portable buildings and uh, very rustic, very homey. And we did a great job. We were able to see everybody. But now we have eight sites. We've got brand-new facilities, state-of-the-art. Um, one of our missions and the mission of our board is 
you know, just because you're in uh, a disadvantaged neighborhood, you there's no reason for you to have um, disadvantaged-looking facilities. So our facilities are beautiful, <laughs> state-of-the-art, and very functional. And we're proud of that because that's what we want to offer to our community. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, things have, things have changed remarkably as far as what we're doing. We're currently, in fact, um, in the midst of construction in uh, Nanakuli of uh, a brand-new clinic. We've had a small clinic there for many, many years. And we're doubling the size. Uh, there's a new uh, shopping mall that's going up there. And we're going to be in there and uh, have a brand new clinic there. So wow. a lot of exciting things happening over these awesome. years. Yes. Uh, we wanted to talk about some of the interesting ways that the, the center has had to kind of adapt services in this time of COVID-19 and, and how you're meeting the challenges. Um, one of the things I think uh, you guys are doing is telemedicine now, right? I mean, you were starting to work on that. You were saying... But now, with mm-hmm. this pandemic, now with the lockdown and everything, it's more relevant than ever. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, certainly. You know, um, one of the, the main things, it's, it's amazing, this COVID epidemic, but we're going back to really the, the basic tenets of public health. And uh, there's no magic wand. There's no magic bullet as far as vaccines or medications at this time. So we're really going back to uh just basics and saying how do we how do we uh, uh reduce this contagion and that's by basically staying at home uh, social distancing etc well that uh is having its effect obviously economically where you all know that we're talking about jobs we're talking about restaurants businesses but you don't often think about health care and if people are sheltering at home and they're uh, you know, rightly fearful of what's going on. And, you know, fear in this case is not misplaced. It's, it's a natural human instinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- you would want to stay away from a place that you perceive as possible uh, increased contagion. And, of course, hospitals, clinics, uh, you know, I, are, are, we take a lot of care to do the best we can to be as, as spotless and as, as uh, cont- contagion-free as possible. But in the minds of people, of course, that's, uh, it's, it's a, a possible locus. So what are we doing? It, we saw in the first week after the uh, pandemic really kicked off and then the shelter-in-place and work-at-home uh, orders came through, a precipitous drop in our uh, patient visits. Oh. We had uh, visits that had been set up, and all of a sudden, all our schedules for all our providers just dropped off a cliff. But, you know, the thing is, you have to remember is that in an, uh, an area sort of ours on the Leeward Coast, there are a lot of health problems uh, from all sorts of, uh, of, of sources. And especially there's a thing called social determinants of health. And it's very important what you start to realize is, yes, there's a certain amount of uh, pathology that starts just because of genes and human conditions and, uh, um, you know, environment. But think about things like... Um, all the social problems of, of people who don't have don't have a home, don't have uh, uh, money, uh, they live too many people in a family, all these things that are just going on, mm-hmm. that influences health to a great degree as well. And that hasn't stopped. That is still there. Right. Our homeless population, we're still going out with our vans to try and, and find them and treat them and, and help them out even in this, in this epic. So nothing has stopped in our normal level of problems. However, we have stopped uh, what has stopped is the people feeling comfortable coming in and seeing us and keeping appointments. Mm. So we now have had to change direction drastically uh, to say, how do we still serve our people? And uh, a little anecdote, which is really interesting, we see, we see the largest, we have the largest population of Native Hawaiians in the world. So our 
uh, we have 50% plus uh, of our uh, population that we uh, treat mm-hmm. is Native Hawaiian. Mm. Native Hawaiians, for a number of reasons, tend to develop chronic diseases 10 years earlier than like populations. It's just a fact oh. of genetics and other things. So you can imagine the burden of chronic disease is much greater in an area like ours than in some other areas. So those folks have to be cared for, and yet we're having trouble getting to them. Mm-hmm. So. We've been looking at telehealth for a while, as everyone else in the United States. This is not a brand new concept, but um, we were going at it, you know, in a normal pace of, of change, like you normally do, until the pandemic hit. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, hey, we got to make this happen. We got to make this happen now. So, this is we put into place um, a pretty vibrant telehealth system over the last couple of weeks. We trained. We have an incredible. Um, electronic medical records and IT department. They have trained all our providers, uh, about 112 providers, over one week span of time oh. to efficiently <laughs> use uh, telehealth. That's really um, fast. Which, which yeah. I, yeah. I'm still, my, head, my head's still spinning. I don't know how that happened. I mean, it really <laughs> is a, a, f- a feather in their cap, incredible people. Uh, but a cred- incredible providers too. And you know, that was something that I, I really appreciate and I realized is that our healthcare providers said they realized the gravity of what we're going through and they said you know if this is a a modality that we can learn that we can actually treat patients and do something Mm -hmm. we've got to do it right now and they did they jumped in you know uh full-on and have been extremely uh positive about this process that's awesome so 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 the way that that works then for telehealth is that now your patients can interface with the doctors via do you you folks have a, a web portal basically correct we have a we have a uh, a platform that we use it's called MEND, and what we do is um, we send, uh, when I'm going to see a patient, I send them a text to their cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, click on the text, and it brings them through uh, to allowing uh, access to uh, audio-visual. We uh, explain to them that this is a new modality, that uh, it, you know, it may not have like, all the same protections that a face-to-face office visit is, but the powers that be in, uh, in CMS and the feds have said that during this crisis, we can do this right now. And mm. so we get there, we get their approval and we go forward. And, uh, you know, in those few cases, and the nice thing is that in this day and age, no matter what area you're in, most people have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. That, that really is uh, an incredible advantage that uh, 15 years ago we wouldn't have had. We would have been sort of stuck in, in the mud here. But the fact that people having cell phones where they can just click on this link and we get them through, uh, we're able to uh, to talk to them, to see them. And, you know, in medicine, that's a really important point, too, is eyeballing. You, you think of all the incredible uh, things that we do as far as our studies and uh, labs and all of that, which mm-hmm. are very important. And we, we can still order all of that. We can still order referrals and, ref- and order value-added product, uh, processes. But... Just eyeballing a patient, just getting a feel for that patient really makes a lot. I mean, it means a lot. Yeah. And so we're able to do that. In those few cases that it just doesn't work for whatever technological reason, we can still fall back on the telephone uh, and, and just at least go through our normal uh, telephone, our normal interview process for the patient. Okay. Ask pertinent questions and get pertinent answers. Yeah. So we're, we're able to do a lot of what we did before. It's just virtually now. Yeah. And, uh, Yay for technology. <laughs> seriously. I mean, yeah. this is, you know, uh, this, you know, the, 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 the cat videos is one thing, but this is, this is really working <laughs> and really important.
<laughs> no, absolutely. Um, so you now, so now you have telemedicine going on, uh, full blast. Also, you guys are doing things like now. You were talking about, uh, I think, off air for a moment about your drive-through testing. Also, is going on. You got a hotline. Also, can you explain some of that? Exactly. Yes, we did because the one thing that we wanted to do the 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 essential thing in any of these situations is to get. Um, really qualified uh, information and uh, accurate information out to people that uh, are asking. And so we set up what we call a COVID hotline that's staffed by professional or professional staff uh, qualified. And I'll give you the number. The number mm-hmm. is actually 697-3170. It's not restricted to YNI comp patients. We're, we're serving especially the Leeward Coast, but we've even had some patients from outside the Leeward Coast calling because we have people that know what they're doing, they know the situation, they have resources, and if you have a question, they'll give you the true answer. They'll okay. give you the, 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 the accurate information. And that's really important because you go on Facebook, you go on Instagram, you get all sorts of strange <laughs> theories about everything. And, you know, this is, that's something you really don't need in this period. You need yep. in, true information. So that is one thing. And then what we've done is, uh, you know, you, there's a lot of pop-ups going on as far as testing goes, mm-hmm. uh, which are wonderful, but we decided to set up something a little bit more, um, uh, what can I say, um, dependable. So we, we have, from 9 to 12, every, every day, we have a drive-through COVID testing uh, drive-through. Oh. It's uh, at, at the base of the, uh, of the hill of the comprehensive, and... Um, the way we do it is this, and it, again, it's not limited to just uh, YNICOM patients, so um, we're, we're open. The way we are doing it, though, is we're looking at symptoms, because still, when you look at the CDC, you look at the Department of Health and all the recommendations, um, we don't have enough tests available. So what we have to do at this point still is say, you know what, chances are, uh, if we're going to test accurately, uh, patients have to have some sort of symptoms that would lead you to believe at least the possibility of an infection. Right, because you got to prioritize um, the limited number of tests. Unfortunately, that's the case, and uh, but it's the it's reality. Mm-hmm. The other thing is we've opened that up a little bit. Lieutenant Governor has made a big point of saying, you know, he feels that any intimate con- um, uh, connections with people mm-hmm. who have already tested positive they should be tested as well so we're, we're we've broadened a little bit uh, the the sites of who we test uh but we still need to have a screening done so that can be done over the hotline or it could be done by your pcp who then writes an order and what happens is then we get people we get our folks into a slot in those hours that we're doing the testing so that we're not overcrowding, we're not having large lines going out onto Farringdon Highway. We're able to control a little bit better the social distancing and the times involved. But we are um, available for uh, testing in those individuals that uh, are appropriate. And, um, and those are sent off to, uh, mostly nowadays, it's sent off to uh, two of the major private labs in the state. Mm-hmm. And some, some may go to Department of Health. But uh, we don't do the testing on site, we do the the swab, the collections, and that's okay. an inter- you know people don't often talk about that in any of these um, drive-throughs or pop-ups. The testing isn't done on site. The testing is done at the labs. We just take the sample in right. um, a professional manner and send it on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not immediate. Unfortunately, you don't know immediately what the what the case is. It's usually 
three to five days at this point. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And uh, but, but it's handy to have the done, have the sampling done right there, right there on the way and I coast. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. That's we decided again. We we've got to bring these things out to where the need is. We can't have people traveling long distances or not getting the testing done when they should be getting it done. Mm, okay. Okay. When's the uh, and so the testing happens uh, when today. Oh, mon- Monday through Friday, nine to twelve. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. But the important the important thing is they have to call ahead to the hotline uh, and make sure we have a slot for them. Oh, That's okay, the, okay. Is it it's yeah. by appointment? It's by appointment. Yeah. Okay, okay. Which also, so which also, easy. I think it, helps you to. Is easy. Yeah, but it, it also helps you to sort of uh, do a preliminary screening as well, right? So that it's not somebody That's just calling, going, "Hey." I think I get them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I like test. <laughs> no, which happens, right? Definitely. Yeah. You know, it, and and can you you really can't fault anyone on that? I mean, people are afraid. And of course. They have yeah. a sniffle, and they say, "Oh my God, I've got it!" And I, I got it, and I'm living with three generations in this house. I'm going to pass it to everybody. There's definitely a fear factor, but um, yes, the COVID hotline that we have, uh, the great people we have working on it, do take all the information and say, you know what? Sounds like you. There's a possibility. Let's get you in in the in the line, and we'll get this done. Or you know what? Doesn't sound like it right now. Get back to me if things change. And, mm. and that's just practical. And that's the way everybody is doing things nowadays here. Mm. You know, Doctor Bradley, I, I was just curious yeah. too. You mentioned something uh, just now. Uh, Multi generational families. Are there? Do you feel like there is more of that on the west side, and that's what makes it even more sort of. Uh, a risk factor, uh, yeah, a risk yeah. factor, and oh, more yeah. imminent that you get the testing done. Most definitely, it's um, when I was talking earlier about the social determinants of health. That is one of those social determinants: is how many people are living in a household. And uh, yes, out on the Waianae coast, it's very frequent that you know, with costs of housing even there and availability of housing, which is it's the same as as all over Hawaii. Unfortunately, there's a scarcity of. Uh, uh, of affordable housing in, uh, in everywhere in the islands, but it's especially acute in places like White and I. And you get gen- multi-generational uh, living conditions. And sure, w- the more you get people, again, it's when we talk about social distancing, there's social distancing outside on the street, but think about it, there's a social distancing inside as well. And if people are going out and coming back, you never know. I mean, we've been lucky so far, and I'm knocking on wood, it seems like we, with all the stuff we've been doing, We've been we've been able to keep the curve down. We have to really, you know, people are starting to think think about taking the foot off the accelerator and letting back a little bit. My feeling is this is the crucial time right now where mm. when we're seeing the curve that seems to be blunted a bit, we really have to continue doing what we're doing for now to keep it that way and actually see a descent on the other side before we start you know, declaring victory. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, more people crowded together, more possibility of contagion of anything. We are continuing to talk in our Kumukokua segment with Dr. Stephen Bradley. He is Chief Medical Officer at the Waianae Coast Comprehensive Health Center. Thank you for hanging in there with us, doctor. My pleasure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so uh, we have one uh, Kumu listener named Lucy who is asking... Um, can you talk about whether you're seeing a lot of COVID on Waianae Coast and are the homeless people aware of what's happening and following social distancing? Uh, she said she doesn't think that they are. Yeah, you know, we haven't, um, we haven't been seeing any remarkable rise in, in uh, coronavirus over 
the time that we're looking. And, of course, we, we take our stats from the Department of Health the way everybody else does mm-hmm. because uh, we, when we do testing, uh, it all gets sent to uh, private labs or DOH and gets processed through them. So we sort of, once we do it, we lose track and we depend on, uh, like everybody else, on their statistics. And it doesn't appear that they've come out with any major evidence that there's a remarkable uh, difference in in uh, Waianae Coast, uh, there's been nothing said about that. Now, you know, the interesting point, you're, it's a very true fact. Um, we worry a lot about the homeless because um, how many opportunities, what opportunity do they have? You know, it's, it's, it's a different set of circumstances, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we have had a homeless service for many years. We go out in vans and um, we, we go out and look for our homeless population. We know quite a few of them. Uh, we, we know... Um, uh, Honu uh, and I with uh, Twinkle Burgess uh, and, and her group. And so what we are trying to work together with the homeless and with the homeless associations uh, to, uh, to minimize uh, chances of spread among that population. Mm. Obviously, it's more challenging than, than down in Kaka'ako, I mean, for sure. But uh, that's what we do, and that's what we've been doing for many years, is, is basically confronting these problems, these type of problems, and we have the mechanisms to help. Uh, there are other things that are in the works that, uh, uh, for homeless um, that, that we uh, hopefully will be able to develop in the future, but uh, we're doing the best we can. That's about all I can say about it. Okay, okay. Well, any any kind of effort, I think, is, is definitely welcome. Um, another one of our Kuma listeners posted this question about, um, will the center be helping people with unemployment issues? Unemployment issues, you know... That is really not our kuleana. We mm-hmm. don't have uh, setups to do that. Um, there are a lot of uh, resources out there, you know, from the state that uh, basically are, is there. The federal government is supplementing uh, unemployment insurance at this time, but uh, you still have to go through the uh, the state unemployment agencies and and that. Uh, so we don't have any sort of a direct line uh, to that sort of assistance. Okay, so if people come to you with that, you'll triage them basically in that direction. Okay. Well, we give them we give them the information and yeah, yeah. set them off to yeah to do what they got to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Uh, we have another Kuma listener named Lily. She asks, "How do I qualify for grab and go cakey meals? Because we didn't get free lunches before from the school, but now their family. Uh, well, let's see. She says that they're they're unemployed now uh, because of the layoffs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I would say you know for the moment um, I don't have a. a, a, a uh, telephone number directly to call for that, mm-hmm. but it's certainly uh, good information. I would say call the COVID hotline, 697-3170, uh, pose that question to them, and they can probably set you off to uh, the correct uh, uh, phone number and the correct people that can help you deal with that. Okay. But uh, definitely, I mean, I certainly, we we want to serve everyone that needs to be served. And, you know, we are planning to, up when we started with our food distributions, um we were serving 400 families, and that was back about this time last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's gone then. Uh, the end of the month was 514 families, and we are uh, coming up on probably 700 pre-identified families uh, over the next week or so to wow. be serving. So we, we are trying to accommodate the growing number of people with needs. 
call into the COVID hotline and I'm sure they can connect you with uh, with the appropriate number and appropriate people to talk with. Oh, that is helpful. And, you know, uh, uh, just to clarify, if I, because uh, I kind of remember seeing a flyer about the grab-and-go caking meals, there's also, in addition, to, you were talking about food distribution. So there's not only the meals, like the set meals for the cakey, but also like pantry distribution as well, right? Oh, definitely. And that's yeah. part of what we're saying. It's, it's we've, we distribute 10,000 meals, but also... 7,500 pounds of shelf-stable food and 3,000-plus pounds of local produce. And that's wow. just uh, – so so those are – people can take those home and cook with them for the whole family. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And can you clarify also – now, you started you, – you've said this a couple times during this conversation that people don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to live – so there is not like a um, – is there like a zip code demarcation or something to say people, only people who live in certain zip codes can uh, use the services at Waianae Coast Comprehensive Health Center? Or it, I, I don't know how that works. I don't, you know, there's nothing that uh, is, is cutting everyone, anyone off on that basis. But uh, from what the, what I was saying before is that we're not restricting any of these things to Waianae Comp patients. Okay. So it's not that we have, but preferentially, we serve the leeward coast and so that's that's what we do and we're trying that alone is is a major effort and so there are a lot of other people serving other areas and Mm -hmm. we try to serve our leeward coast community as best we can got it got it okay now folks have can you go over one more time one last time the um uh the ways that folks can reach out to you if they uh that COVID hotline again is 697-3170. Okay, fantastic. That's the starting point. Yeah. And that's 8 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. We're we're staffing that full time. So a lot of opportunities for information and and, uh, setting people up with the care they need. So, yeah, it's uh, we decided that it was very, very important to have communication. And that's what we're realizing both internally in our center and externally to the community is this things can get murky very quickly because they move quickly and this is all unknown territory we've we've never gone down this road before we've mm-hmm. never had a pandemic like this in our lifetime so um everything we do every day is waking up in the morning and and basically trying to deal with it so the fact of having um accurate information and accurate leads and uh Um, accurate descriptions of things that are happening, I think is really important for everybody, helps everyone to deal with their their day-to-day life and and carry on as best they can. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, fantastic. Uh, Dr. Stephen Bradley, Chief Medical Officer at YNI Coast Comprehensive Health Center. Sir, was there anything else you wanted to let people know about or any any final words or messages? I just want to let people know that, uh, again, our services uh, of the hotline and our uh, testing are are not limited you know we're not talking about just why and i coast uh, comprehensive patients so please call our hotline uh for information we're more than happy to uh either provide the information you need or get you in the right direction and um you know we will get through this this is uh is this probably a once hopefully a once in a lifetime misadventure uh mm. but um mm. i'm i'm really proud of uh, of the people of hawaii so far I think we've done an incredible job as a society here. It really reinforces the idea that Hawaii is a special place and there's a special feeling and that people are willing to band together for the for the common good when it really matters. And I think we're doing that right now. We cannot uh, 
give uh, any any space on that. We have to really continue the drive that we've had, continue our sheltering at home, continuing our use of masks now, our social distancing, and um, just keep us as positive an attitude because this is temporary. We will get through this and we will pick up the pieces and start over again and make Hawaii a better place. That's a great message. Thank you so much, Dr. Bradley. We really appreciate your time and all your mana'o. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thanks for the opportunity to be able to talk to everybody over the airwaves. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Dr. Bradley. We appreciate it. That is your kumu kokua for this Thursday morning.